love that Psalms right there in Psalms 112 because it challenges us to this idea of generosity. Why don't you look at your neighbor right now and say, generosity. It's kind of a little bit of a tongue tire. Then why don't you just say to him, say, money, money, money. Say that. <laughs> say time, time, time. Say plans, plans, plans. Say it really fast. Plans, plans, plans. <laughs> so, I think for all of us, when we think about generosity, it's not just money. It's also our plans. It's also our time. It's also the gifts that God's given us, the talents he's given you. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, you're talented. Look at your neighbor again and say, I'm talented. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Some of you are giggling, but just, I mean, seriously, like, there's nothing wrong with saying, I got it. In fact, look at your neighbor right now and say, I got it. Maybe even do the hand thing. I got it. <laughs> I think for all of us, when we think about what it looks like to be generous, what the scriptures is constantly challenging us to is, the scriptures is challenging us to be sharers constantly be sharing the resources that we've been entrusted with and I remember when I was a little kid how many of you guys remember as a little kid eating some of these anybody remember what I'm talking about little goldfish crackers some of you are like no we didn't have those when I was you know so whatever whatever snack it was Remember going into Sunday school, if you grew up in the church, come on, how many of you know this was a staple in church, right? Like, it didn't matter what else you had in preschool ministry, as long as you had goldfish crackers, you knew that you were going to be good for the day. But I remember as a kid, they would always pull out these little dumb Dixie cups, come on now, and you know what I'm talking about? And the teacher would take the little Dixie cup and... And then she would open up the box, and you would be like, oh, man, okay, all right, all right. And then she would sit there, and she would fill up that little Dixie cup, and all of a sudden you realize there was not much in that little Dixie cup. And if you're anything like me, I wanted more. So when the little kid next to me would say, Brian, will you share with me some of your goldfish, my response was, sure. You cannot have any of my goldfish. I was not a good sharer. Come on out. How many of you out there were not good sharers when it came to food when you were a kid? Raise your hand. Come on. All right. Wow. How many of you were good at sharing your food when you were a kid? Raise your hand. There's definitely more of you who are more sharers. How many of you are just not participating? Raise your hand. All right. All right. There's a few of you. I got you to participate though. But when I was a kid, I, re I remember that time where literally it was snack time. One kid next to you would eat his really fast. I don't know if you were one of those kids who ate it really fast or if you were one who savored every moment. And a lot of times the teacher would sit down and begin telling a story as you would eat your snack. And the point of the snack was to keep you engaged with what the teacher was saying. And I was thinking about that this morning um, when, when I was thinking about this lesson. I went downstairs and I said, you know what, let's go, let's go downstairs and see what we got. And of course they had the goldfish crackers and of course they had animal crackers. How many of you were more animal cracker people? Come on now. All right, a few of you, yeah. And for some, it's really difficult when we come to this idea of sharing and I was reflecting, why did I struggle as a kid sharing? And what I came to realize was is that each and every one of us have different mindsets when it comes to the things that we share. Some of us view our resources that we have as plenty. We have more than enough, and we are inclined to share with others when we feel like we have more than enough. Others of us, our viewpoint is not that we have more than enough, but that we have very little. We're looking at life like this. Instead of saying, man, I got the whole box right here, we're looking at things and saying, I just got a little Dixie cup. I don't have much, and so I don't really want to share the resources I have because I just don't have that much. 
But the reality of it is, is that when I was a kid and I was sitting there eating those crackers, easily the teacher could have come back through and could have given me more. Why? Because they had more than enough for me as a kid. Now I'm going to bring a spiritual principle into this for a second. I want you to think about a good father in heaven. And I want you to think about all the resources. He, he has like the, the ginormous goldfish box, right? Like he's got everything that you and I could ever need. And when we sit down and we think about the resources that God's entrusted us with, you have enough. In fact, you have more than enough. But some of us are so focused on the Dixie cup that we've been given that we forget the box that's sitting right next to it. So many of us are focused on the things that we're dealing with in life right now. And some of you right now, you, you look at your resources and you think, man, I got plenty of resources. Others of you look at your resources and you think, I don't have enough. And when we think about sharing like we were in preschool, remember when the teacher would say, would you share this? Now, some of us, it was sharing your toys. Some of you, it was sharing your snacks. Others of you, it was, it was sharing, you know, like something that had happened in your life with others. And you, you, instead of sharing with others, would hold on to it yourself. This past week, uh, the kids were at kids camp. And uh, man, just an incredible week at camp. And both of my kids, uh, my older kids were in there. Jordan was a camp counselor and Gabe was a camp counselor. And they went to camp and they were pouring into young people. And we had the privilege of our best friends, their two kids, Isaiah and Isabel, came up. And I was thinking about Isaiah. And one of the things that I've always come to really appreciate, they're, they're kind of like our second kids and Isaiah, though, is one of the most sharing and generous kids I've ever met. Like, you could literally give him a thing of goldfish crackers, and you could ask him right in that moment, can I have some? And it doesn't matter how hungry that kid is. It doesn't matter. He will literally be like, oh, yeah, sure. His first response every time is, you can have some. You, you get him something in the store, he'll literally share it with anybody. He's just a super generous kid, and I was thinking about, man, why is Isaiah so generous? And I think part of it is, is Isaiah just has a heart towards generosity. He understands that. But I think another part of it is, is he has understood something in his life. That the resources that he has available to him are more than what he could ever handle. And because of that, he just simply is like, I can give it away whenever and whenever, you know, at any moment. He's like, I'll just give it away to people. It's not a big deal. Why? Because he understands that his father, now his earthly father, will take care of a lot of things for him. In fact, how many of you have seen when you were dealing with your kids when they were younger and they shared, you went and you wanted to bless them even more because they shared? How many of you? I know for me, that's how it was. When we saw our kids sharing, it was like, man, they were sharing. You know what? You get some more goldfish crackers. Why? Because we wanted to reward the generosity of the heart. And I believe that God up in heaven wants to do the same thing for you and me. That God is looking for people who will live generous. He's looking for people who will look at their lives and the resources they've been entrusted with and go, you know what, I have plenty of resources, so why would I not give it away to others? This week at camp, I saw um, not only my kids serving, but I saw the generosity of two people that are near and dear to my heart that I've come to know and love throughout the years, and that's Rod and Kelly Carver. And if you don't know Rod and Kelly, they are some of the most generous people I know. In fact, I think they're down serving in kids' ministry literally today. After a week at camp, Kelly was at junior high camp. She was at senior high camp. And here's what I've seen from that couple is they are generous. They're generous with their time, their talents, their plans, and their treasures. They live generous lives, and I believe many times the reason they live generous lives is because they understand a principle, that they have access to unlimited resources. Now, do they truly have unlimited resources? Yes and no. <laughs> like, I mean, 
It's not that they have money in their bank account that's just stacked up and they can just give in these crazy ways. They just understand something, that the more they give, the more God continues to give back. That the more that they live generous lives and they share with others, that God just keeps giving back. And, and I think that we as God's people are actually called to be generous in our lives. In fact, can I just share with you some really cool stats from Kids Camp? One, between Kids Camp 1 and Kids Camp 2, that's a two-week time frame, over $92,000 was given by kids for BGMC for missions. Come on, that's awesome. Generous hearts. Kids coming in with money that they had for the snack shack, and they were taking that money and saying, you know what, if this will help a young boy or young girl hear about Jesus in another country, I'm going to give it. Young people who have summer jobs saying, you know what, instead of just my tithe, which I'm walking in obedience and I'm going to actually live generous, I'm going to live a generous life and I'm going to give above and beyond and students raising money. Do you know our students through Speed the Light raised over, I think it's like $107,000 in two weeks of camp. And you may say, well, Pastor Brian, like, that's great. Those are numbers and all those things. Okay, let me tell you some other things. Three of our kids accepted Jesus for the first time at kids' camp this week. Come on. One of the kids recommitted their life to Jesus. Four kids filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit at camp. Come on, that's awesome. Five of our kids were called into ministry at camp. And then I love this one. One kid was being prayed for, had an extreme migraine. Someone laid hands on him and was praying for him, and instantly they were healed. Come on now. And I sit there and I think about people who live generous lives with their time, their talents, their treasures, who impacted the lives of those kids. And I think of Rod and Kelly. I think of the other leaders that were there this week, and many of them my friends who were serving. My previous kids pastor, Lisa Homerick, was uh, the evangelist and speaker, and, and here she is pregnant, and, and she's pregnant, and she's up there still trying to dance around and do stuff and, and engage with kids, and kids are experiencing Christ. Why? Because she's willing to be generous. And I believe that God has called us to a place of generosity, I believe that God is calling you and I to be generous with our time, our talents, our treasures, and our plans. The reason why I used Rod and Kelly is because to give three weeks of your life to kids camp and youth camp requires you being willing to be generous with your plans. To be in a week of camp, like, and literally, as I went and saw her yesterday and was picking up the kids from camp, and I was like, how you doing? She's like... I'm doing good. It was a great week. But you could tell Kelly was tired. And easily, Kelly today could have said, you know what, I just, I'm not going to serve down in kids' ministry because, you know, like, I've paid my dues. Three weeks of camps and everything and pouring in. But instead, her heart is not a heart of holding back. Her heart is a heart of giving out. And it is leaders like that who I believe make the body of Christ shine. And if we could actually do that together, how much more would the gospel be attractive? Could you imagine if people looked at Christians and said, oh, Christians are the most generous people I've ever met? Do you know that generous people attract other people? No one likes being around a Scrooge McDuck, but everyone likes being around generous people. In fact, the gospel would be that much more attractive to others. And you may say, well, they would just be coming for the wrong reason. Well, who cares what reason they came? Because we know this, that once they encounter Jesus, the real thing, then their lives will be forever changed. I said, well, Pastor Ryan, are you, are you, are you going to preach like one of those prosperity messages? Probably. Are you going to tell me that like, God's just going to take care of all my needs? Yes. Are you just going to believe that, like, if I sow seed, that I'm going to reap harvest in my life of God's blessings? Yes. Well, where does it say that? Well, all those things I just told you are found in the Word of God. And I know some of us grew up, you know, where it's like, you know, the poorer, you know, you are, and the more of these things of this world that are stripped away from you, the closer you are to Jesus. Baloney. 
Now, when you allow those things to become idols in your life, well, then that's a problem. But we're not talking about that when we talk about generosity, because when we talk about generosity, we're not talking about taking and receiving. We're talking about giving. And guess what? It's really hard to be generous if you don't have anything to give from. If I asked you right now to give me some goldfish crackers, you would look at me and say, I don't have any goldfish crackers. Anyone have goldfish crackers in the house? Anybody? Anybody? You got a few in yours? No? Diaper bag downstairs. Okay, not on you though. Okay. So you can't, you can't be generous. Anyone in the house have goldfish crackers sitting in your purse that you could be generous with? Anybody? Some of you are looking. No, that doesn't count. I'm looking for some goldfish crackers. You guys are the most stingiest people I've ever met. Is the problem that you're stingy? No. The problem is, is you don't have the resource. Do you think God would call us to be generous people but not give us the resources? I believe God has called us to live open-handed lives. That God wants his people to flourish, to be blessed, to experience the goodness of God in their lives, to experience, I believe, wealth in their lives. I believe God has called us to that place. And the reason is, I believe, because he wants us to be a conduit to be able to give to others. The problem for many of us in the house today is not even so much that we don't want to live generous lives. It's just that we're not living self-controlled lives. And because we're not living self-controlled lives, we find ourselves in massive amounts of debt. And so when we hear messages on generosity, we literally look at our resources and we say, I can't afford to give because I owe other people. So some of us got to take care of that first. And we've got to stop being slaves to others and we need to become the lenders ourselves. We need to be the ones who have the resources to be able to say, you know what, I can be a blessing in this moment. Now, 1 Peter chapter 4, which is where we're digging into today, I believe actually has a lot to say about the idea of generosity. And you may read it along with me today, and you may go, I don't necessarily see that, but I hope by the end of today, you will find in this message practical truths that you can live by in your life. And that if you'll live by these practical truths, that you can then live a generous life. So look at your neighbor right now and say, I want to be generous. You know, they say that caring or sharing is caring, right? Remember that? Saying to your kids, you know, sharing is caring. True or false, generosity is an action. True or false, generosity is an action. True. I mean, it's kind of a trick question a little bit. Um, Because it is an action, but I would argue that the act of generosity actually comes from one's heart being in the right place. That for many of us, generosity is, is not only just an action, but it has to do with where is your heart concerning being generous with your time, your talents, your treasures, and your plans. It's when our hearts become softened and really we have an empathetic or compassionate heart towards others that we begin to live a life of generosity. At its core, generosity is a lifestyle in which we share all that we have and and all that will ever become. And and we look at our time and our talents and our treasures and our plans and we say, I'm going to live a generous life in this moment. So today's thought is this, for Pete's sake, share your gifts. For Pete's sake, share your gifts. 1 Peter chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and open up. 1 Peter chapter 4, you can look at it on your phone or you can pull it up uh, if you have some printed copy here. But 1 Peter chapter 4, it'll be up on the screen. I want to read to you from the message translation. And 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1 says this. It says, since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Learn to think like him. This is a pretty big statement, right? Think like Jesus. Think about that for a second. Think like Jesus. Peter literally starts off this chapter challenging us to think 
like Jesus. If you were to think like Jesus, do you think Jesus ever saw things from a place of lack? No. Do you think Jesus ever was just looking out for himself and thinking, I just need more, I need to receive more? No. Do you think Jesus ever thought, you know, in that moment, well, I don't have enough to feed all the people. What are we going to do? No, Jesus was like, I can take care of this. Jesus never thought, you know, I should hold on to my time and, and not give it away. He never said, I'll take my plans. No, he always submitted himself to the plans of the Father. Jesus was one who was consistently living a life of generosity. And so if Peter starts off 1 Peter chapter 4 by saying to you and I that we need to think like Jesus, my challenge to you today is think like Jesus. What would it look like for you to think like Jesus? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1 in the ESV reads this, Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. And I know it says 1 Peter chapter 1, that's my mistake up there, but it's actually 1 Peter 4, 1. And it, it's this, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Think like Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, think like Jesus. Peter's reminding us to think like Jesus. Jesus. Then in verse 3, he actually goes on to say this, and he's talking about how the world thinks differently than how we as followers of Christ should think. Verse 3 says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking, parties, and lawless idolatry. What is Peter talking about? Peter is talking about the world has a different way of thinking. Don't think like the world. Don't be a part of the things of this world. Actually think like Jesus. He really is saying the world thinks a lot about themselves. We as followers of Christ are not to. And we would look at that passage and we would go, okay, yep, drunkenness, okay, that's bad. Orgies, okay, that's really bad. Drinking parties, that's, that's not good either. Lawless idolatry, okay, that's bad. Sensuality, okay, that's bad. Like we can look at this list and go bad, 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 bad. Like that's how I feel, like a sheep, you know. Like we can look at it and go that. But we're challenged actually to think differently, to think like Jesus Verse 4 says this, with respect to this, they are surprised when you, not, when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and so they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. What, what does Peter remind us? He says, listen, the world is going to be surprised that you think differently than them. So he starts off, says, think like Jesus. Then he gives us this list of things, don't do these things. And then he says, when you don't do those things, the world is going to go, that's weird. Why are you not doing those things? Why are you not giving in to those pleasures? Why are you not giving in to the passions? Why are you not a part of this environment? And then the word uh, malign really means this. It means kind of to make fun of you, to actually um, to, um, uh, slander you to blaspheme you. They're going to come against you when you think differently. So don't be surprised. Don't be like, oh man, I'm surprised. Why is this happening to me? When you are not a part of the world and you think differently, the world will wonder why. But here's what I love. He goes on to say in verse 6, for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. We are challenged to think like Jesus. And so I was processing through this. Okay, so if we're supposed to think like Jesus, what did Jesus do? He lived a generous life. Jesus constantly gave of his time, he gave of his talents, he gave of his treasures, and he gave of his plans. He left heaven and came to earth. That's given up some plans. 
He didn't have a home. He didn't, he didn't start up Jesus ministries and like, you know, we're going to get this all, build the, you know, our big huge mansion, take care of myself, make sure that my 12 disciples are all taken care of. No, it says he had no place to lay his head. So it wasn't about the treasures. And, and I believe that there was resources that came in to Jesus' life and his public ministry. Come on, think about it. If you're, if you're someone who's blind or you're someone who's lame or you're someone who has leprosy, and you, you haven't been able to come into town, you haven't been able to work, you haven't been able to see, and all of a sudden this guy lays hands on you, and you're healed, you're willing to give him whatever it takes. You're like, dude, I just want to be a blessing to you. I just, man, I'll just, and I believe resources were coming in to the kingdom of God in those moments, but I believe it just came in, and it just went right out. Do we see Jesus giving of his talents? Absolutely. Do we, do we see Jesus living a generous life? Yes. I don't think we have to like, look at the life of Jesus and go, was he generous or was he not? I think we would all agree that Jesus lived a generous life. So if we're going to think like Jesus, then for Pete's sake, share your gifts. For Pete's sake, share your gifts. Share your gifts with others. I mentioned earlier about Isaiah being this really generous young man. And probably one of the reasons why I really believe that he has such a heart of generosity is, is because in his mind, he does not see his life as a, lack, as, as a life of lack. He sees his life as a life of fullness. What would happen if you and I would think like a child? What if we would just look at life and go, you know what? I know I have access to unlimited resources in the kingdom of God. Like, I'm going to share with others. I'm going to live a generous life because I'm not worried about taking care of myself. I simply want to be someone who God uses in the moment. Instead of worrying and thinking about ourselves, we think like Jesus. I want to focus in on these next few verses, though, in 7 through 11. I want to read to you. I'm going to switch from the ESV, which I, I normally don't do that, but I just want to switch to the message translation for a moment because I think it will help you understand what Peter is trying to write to us today. And when Peter's writing this, he's challenging us to think like Jesus. It says this in verse 7. Everything in the world is about to be wrapped up, so take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it, for love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry and a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. Be generous with the different things God gave you, passing them around so all get in on it. If your words, then let it be God's words. If help, then let it be God's hearty help. That way, God's bright presence will be evident in everything through Jesus. He'll get all the credit as the one mighty in everything. Encores to the end of time. Oh, yes. I love this passage here because what Peter is challenging us to do is he is challenging us to think like Jesus. So for Pete's sake, share your gifts, share your love, share your meals, share your home, share with generosity the things that God has given you to others. If we would be generous people, the world would be attracted to what we have. Jesus gave up everything so that you and I could have freedom. So for Pete's sake, share your gifts. We need to be people who are quick to be generous. Be quick to be generous today. What does it look like when you see a need around you? Let's just be quick to be generous. Going back to Isaiah for a second, I know I keep using this young man. He's, isn't he? He's nine years old, right, Kasha? And so here we have this nine-year-old kid who's constantly, as I'm sitting here doing a message on generosity, my mind keeps going back to the nine-year-old kid who in every moment and any time that I've ever needed anything, I've, I, and literally I have tried it on him. Like he, he'll get an ice cream cone and I'll literally be like, hey, can I have a lick of that? And he'll be like, sure. 
He doesn't care. If I ask my son, Gabe, can I have a lick of that? He's like, no, that's gross, Dad. <laughs> Not Isaiah. Isaiah's like, here you go. Can I have, you know, if you look at him and say, hey, can I have that last gummy bear? Yeah, sure, here you go. He's just, he is just so generous. He is quick to be generous. And the Lord asked me this question. He said, Brian, are you quick to be generous? I mean, Isaiah is quick to be generous. What happened in your life, Brian, where you thought that you had to hold on to all the goldfish crackers? No one else can have any of these. These are mine. What happened in your life where you decided you had to hold on to all the goldfish crackers? What happened where you said, it's my money, it's my time, it's my talents, it's my treasures. Got to take care of myself. But yet there's this biblical principle that's all throughout the word of God that when we live generous lives, God's like, okay, I can keep pouring into you. I'm telling you, like, it is a principle that's all throughout the word of God. And Peter is drawing us to the same thing. He's saying, be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. Be generous with the different things that God gave you. Passing them around so all get in on it. When I read that, I just thought, that's exactly what makes the gospel generous. I think about good to great. So on Good Friday, we turn people's Good Fridays into a Great Friday. And I was thinking about this past year and with COVID and different things, and we weren't able to do that. And I was just thinking about that simple day of showing God's love in practical ways, of doing random acts of kindness across our city. That simple thing right there made a huge, attractive difference to people in our community. They were attracted to it. I've literally talked with people who have said, you know what, man, it's just so great to see, like, Bethany being so generous with their time or with their resources. People are attracted to generosity. And Peter is reminding us that we need to be quick to be generous. When it comes to our our thinking, we need to realize that dad has everything we need. He's like, I got plenty. I got plenty of resource for you in the moment. Too many times we look at our resources and we say, well, I just don't have enough. And God's like, I'm not asking you to think about things from your resources. I'm asking you to think about things from my resources. For Pete's sake, share your gifts. He goes on to write this in verse 12. He says, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. It's interesting because now Peter's going to, he's going to kind of change things. He's challenging us to be generous. He's challenged to be quick to that. He's saying, change the way you think. Don't be like the things of this world. And then he says this. Now listen, when things get difficult, when you don't have enough, when all of your crackers, quote unquote, are gone, And you look at it and you go, I ain't got nothing left. It's okay. Trust me. Trust me in the midst of that. Because when we recognize that God has everything we need in that moment, instead we can then, like the scriptures say, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. Could it be that sometimes in the midst of our lack, God's actually trying to refine? Listen, when things get difficult, when it seems like you don't have enough in the resources, and when it feels like things have run out, when it feels like your cup is empty, it could be in those moments where God actually has you exactly in the place he wants you to be, in a place of trusting him for the resources. This isn't just something that Peter reminds us about. It's something that Paul reminds us about as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 through 11, I'm going to continue reading from the message translation. It says this, God can pour out or God can pour on the blessing in astonishing ways so that when you're ready for anything and everything, 
more than just ready to do what needs to be done. As one psalmist put it, he throws caution to the wind, giving to the needy in reckless abandon. His right living and right giving ways never run out and never wear out. This, the most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals, is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be what? Generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Paul's reminding us that you've been given something to give away. So for Pete's sake, share your gifts. For Pete's sake, share your gifts. Share what God's entrusted with you. Live a life of generosity. The problem is, is so many of us, let's just switch from this for a second, and let's talk about something. Let's talk about money for a minute. I got a $10 bill here. Some of us look at a $10 bill, and this is what we think. That's not much. That's not that big of a deal. 10 bucks, what can that get me? Maybe a meal? Depends on where you go. This week, this is a total side note, but I went and had two chicken sandwiches. Yes, at the same time. I had a Popeye's chicken sandwich, and I had a Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. And I was deciding which chicken sandwich was going to be the better chicken sandwich. And I did have them with the buns, because you have to have the whole experience. I know. I was not eating healthy. You don't eat fried chicken and say that's healthy. <laughs> but it was an experiment. So I went to Popeye's. I'm in Toledo. Got done preaching Pastor's Point uh, in the morning and was excited about that. And I was like, you know what? I deserve a chicken sandwich. <laughs> and I was like, you got to go to Jesus Chicken, get some Chick-fil-A. And then I was like, man, Popeye's is literally right next door to it. And I'm like, you know what? Normally... Normally it would just be Jesus chicken, but I'm going to actually try devil chicken, Popeye's. <laughs> See which one's better. So I pull into Popeye's. There's three people in front of me in Popeye's. Three. That's it. You know how long it took? A really long time. <laughs> like 20 minutes. There was just three people in front of me. And then I get up there to get my Popeye's chicken sandwich. And guess what? It was cold. I'm like, you have one job. One job to give me just a hot sandwich. I didn't, I didn't order anything else. I didn't get fries. Got nothing. I just literally just give me a chicken sandwich because I wanted to try, and it was cold. Took a ton, ton of time. There's no lady there. Like, literally, they have, like, the circle thing where you put your money and you can't even see them. It's like, it's like behind, like, the steel encasement thing. They don't say, you know, my pleasure. <laughs> they don't say anything like that. And I'm like, all right. So I get the chicken sandwich. I ate it. It tasted pretty decent. And then I go over to Chick-fil-A. There's like 100 cars in front of me. It wasn't 100, but there was at least 20. I'm not joking, 20 cars. Do you know which line was faster? Chick-fil-A. I literally, like, pull up, and we're moving. I'm like, dude, we are moving. Come on, Chick-fil-A. They got all these girls out there, and there's guys out there, and they're all just up there. And, My pleasure. What can I get you? You know, like, they're literally like, I'm just like, I love you. I love you, Chick-fil-A. And they're like, I say, hey, can I get some extra sauce? They're like, oh, yeah, we can give you extra sauce, sir. Whatever you need, sir. It's our pleasure. Pull up to the line. There's literally, I don't, I don't have to go through some. There's a guy standing outside, and he's like, how you doing today, sir? And I'm like, I'm doing great. He's like, I like your car. And I'm like, thank you very much. He's like, man. And he literally just hands me the chicken sandwich as the ladies hand it to me. They're, they're not behind some steel wall or anything. They're literally out there among the common people. <laughs> Gave me my chicken sandwich. You know what my chicken sandwich was? It was hot. And I sat there and I ate that chicken sandwich and I was like, man, just the experience between one and the other. Two good chicken sandwiches. They, I mean, they really are. They're both good chicken sandwiches. But you know what experience I would rather have all day long? Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A all day long. Why? Because it's the experience. Some of us, we got a good chicken sandwich, but we're more like Popeye's. 
right? We, we don't treat people a, a good way. We, we treat them disrespectfully. We're not generous with our time, our talents, our treasures with others. It's kind of like, you're here to get chicken from me? Well, it's going to be a while. Called up to one of the workers. He was standing outside of Popeye's because it was taking so long. And I said, hey, are they open inside? He's like, <laughs> no. That's literally what he did as he's out there on his phone talking. And I'm like, can you get in there and help them? Like, it wasn't like the people in front of me. I was watching their orders. It wasn't like they had a ton of food coming out either. I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. And I know I'm totally throwing Popeyes underneath the, you know, underneath the bus. But one experience over the other. And so many of us have been treating the world like, like Popeyes. Like, instead of being like Chick-fil-A to others. And I know you're like, that's a funny, that's just a silly example. Okay, fine. Look at this $10 bill for a second. Some of us look at this $10 and, and we see that's not very much. Others of us look at that and go, oh, that's some good seed right there. I could take that $10 and plant it into something. I could put it into a simple stock and I could begin to get a return from it. Man, I could plant this in the kingdom of God. This $10 could turn into someone's soul. Someone come to know Jesus because I gave 10 bucks. The, the key with this amount is not so much that I keep it myself, but it's where I plant it. Some of us have aborted the potential of the seed because we've never been willing to plant it. Some of you have never been willing to plant the seed of your time into others around you, and so you've aborted the potential, and you've said, I just don't have enough of it. It's just not enough for me to plant it. Some of us, it's our treasures, our resources, our finances, and we're looking at it and we're going, I just don't have enough, so I'm going to hold on to it rather than planting it in to good soil around me. The potential is never found in holding it. it the potential is found in planting it. That's why when we live generous lives and we continue to give more, I'm telling you, God just keeps giving back. And you sit there and you look at people's lives and you go, man, it just doesn't make sense. I'm telling you, I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my parents' life. I've watched my parents walk super generous moments. In fact, my parents are here today. I don't know where they're at. Somewhere. Where are you at, mom and dad? Somewhere. Oh, they're in the back. What, you can't sit up front? You got to sit in the back? That's where all the heathens sit. I'm just teasing. I'm just joking. Kind of. No. No. No, my parents have always lived generous lives. I've had the privilege of watching my mom and dad live generous lives. Continue to give, continue to plant seed, and guess what God continues to do? Give back, give back. My brother Tim's sitting down here shaking his head yes. Why? Because he's seen the same exact thing. And so from a young age, I've been taught that. I've lived it in my own life. My kids have seen it. People will say that and go, man, like you guys are just living blessed lives. We are living blessed lives. You know, I'm going to be gone for two weeks. I know I'm not probably supposed to tell you that, but I'm going to be gone for two Sundays. Next week, Pastor Eric's going to bring the word. It's going to be awesome. I'm pumped about that. Week after that, Pastor Bryce is going to bring the word. It's going to be great. But for two weeks, I'm going to be on vacation. And you know what? I'm being taken on vacation, my entire family being taken on vacation, and they're taking care of everything. And, and you can sit there and be like, well, where are you going? I'm going overseas. What? Yeah, I'm going to Greece. I'm taking a little Mediterranean cruise. And God's just blessing us in this moment. Now, I'm not saying that just because we've lived generous lives, those things happen. But I am telling you, when you continue to give and you continue to live a generous life with your time, your talents, and your treasures, God's just like, you know what, this is a good place. I'm going to continue to flow in and through you. And I'm just telling you, God has so many better and greater things for us. I wish, I wish we could understand this. I wish we could understand how when we live generous lives, God's like, this is a good place for me to continue to flow through. I know for some of us today, you're sitting there and you're, you're thinking in your mind, Pastor Brian, like, sounds great. Well, let's, let's keep reading. Because Peter is talking about think like Jesus. Be quick to be generous. I could tell you other people throughout our church body that I know live generous lives. 
I'm, one of our board members lost his job here a while back. Got fired. Called me on the phone and said, you know, I was just praying. I just asked the Lord. I said, you know, Lord, I'm just praying that you'll just, I, I know this could seem like a setback, but I know I've lived a generous life. I know that I've been walking in obedience. So I'm asking that you would double my tithe from where I was before. Do you know what that means? That means he was asking God to double his income. And I'm, I can tell you this, that that board member got a job where, guess what? It doubled his income. Doubled his income, so it doubled his tithe. And him and I were joking around, and I said, why didn't you ask the Lord for a triple? <laughs> He's like, I know, right? <laughs> Can I tell you, I believe that those moments are connected to moments of generosity in their life. You may say, Pastor Brian, like, so is that why we give? No, that's not why we give. We don't give for those reasons. We just live generous lives. 1 Peter 4, 6, 14 says this, if, you were, if you're abused because of Christ, then count yourself fortunate. Isn't that funny? If you're abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. See, the world's not going to understand generosity. The world doesn't understand what it means to live a generous life. I don't know. People will look at you and go, man, that's crazy. I remember years ago, a long time ago, I actually had someone in my life who we were looking at my finances, and he said, you're giving too much money. And I said, well, that's what you do. And he's like, no, 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 you need to focus on getting out of debt, which is true. I do need to focus on that. But I believe part of the way that we do that is by continuing to be generous. And that when we're generous in our lives, God's like, okay, I can take care of you. People are going to look at it and go, that's crazy. Peter goes on to write, though, it's the spirit of God and his glory in you that brought you to the notice of others. If they're on you because you broke the law or disturbed the peace, then that's a different matter. But if it's because you're a Christian, don't give it a second thought. Be proud of that distinguished status reflected in that name. I know some of us, and myself included, sometimes have been embarrassed to be called a Christian. But what if instead of being embarrassed to be called a Christian, we would actually just retake what it means to be a Christian and actually live generous lives? What if instead of someone thinking, uh-oh, it's church, I don't like working Sunday because all the Christians that come are some of the worst tippers. What if we were actually the best tippers? And what if we tip people not based upon the merit of their service, but based on the merit of who God says they are? And, and I, this is hard for me because I used to be a server. And so I know what good service is and I know what bad service is. And sometimes I'm like, dude, why did you ever become a server? But if I'm going to sit at the table and I'm going to talk about Jesus with people who are around me and they're going to know I'm a Christian and then I'm going to tip really lousy, that is not the type of image that we want people to see. We want people to look at Christians and go, no, they're the most generous, the most loving, they're, they're caring, they, like they, they live out their faith. For Pete's sake, share your gifts. Verse 17 says, it's judgment time for God's own family. And we're the first in line. If it starts with us, think what it's going to be like for those who refuse God's message. If good people can barely make it, what's in store for the bad? What is Peter doing? Peter's wrapping up these thoughts and he's saying, listen, you will be judged for your actions. How you and I live matters. But he says, if good people can barely make it, then what's in store for the bad people? Every one of us as followers of Christ did not get to where we got because we somehow earned it. You got to where you are as a follower of Jesus because you simply received it. If we've received Christ in our lives, then we should give Christ to others. How do we do that? Be quick to be generous. Be slow to anger. Be people who are generous with our time, our talents, our treasures. 
1 Peter 4.19, he goes on to say this. So if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, take it in stride. Trust him, for he knows what he's doing, and he'll keep on doing it. What if today the challenge was, for Pete's sake, share your gifts? And what if this whole idea of sharing your gifts actually opened up the door for someone else to experience Christ for the first time? What if because you were generous with your time and your talents and your treasures and your plans, what if somebody else, like one of the kids who went to kids camp, came to know Jesus and accepted him as Lord and Savior for the first time? Or a moment where a kid recommitted their life to Jesus. Or a moment where a kid was baptized with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or a moment where kids were called into ministry. What if that moment came because you were willing to give generously of your time and your talents and treasures? Would it be worth it? Would you be willing to share with others even if your Dixie cup was super small? Would you remember that God has more than enough resource for you? In fact, here's the, here's the thing I love so much. This container right here has way more in it than what this cup can hold. And this is exactly how it is in our lives with God. God has more than enough resource than what we can contain. So it doesn't matter. If I, if I give this out and I, I let it pour in and then I give it away to someone else, some of you are like, who's going to clean that up? Someone will. I will. It doesn't matter. Like, I can continue, right? Like, I can keep giving out to others. Okay, you want some? Okay, great. You can have some. I can keep giving out. Why? Because there's more than enough resource than what I need. And God has more than enough resource than what you and I need. Way more. You cannot outgive God. And God is looking for people who would be willing to say, okay, fill my Dixie cup up. I don't see it as a small amount. I see this as a seed. I don't look at it and go, oh, it's just 10 bucks. No, I look at that, that's a seed. I can plant that in the life of someone else. I got time. I got treasures. I got plans. I got talents. I'm willing to give those out to others. I'm willing to trust that God has enough resource. I'm willing to think differently. Today, my challenge to you is this, is would you think differently? Would you simply look at God and say, you know, God, I'm going to think differently in this moment. I'm not going to look at the resources and I just don't have enough. I'm going to literally look at it and go, oh, I got more. I got access to more than enough. When I was in Sunday school and as a kid, I remember always thinking in my mind, could you give me more? And there was a reality of why the teacher did not give me more. Do you know why? As I became a parent, I realized why. Because if the teacher filled me up on goldfish crackers, when we went out to lunch afterwards, I wouldn't eat. Mom and dad would get mad because I didn't eat, even though I ordered something. And there would be waste. Some of us, God's just looking for people who would be willing to trust him with what he pours into you and say, you know what? I trust that God poured exactly what he needs into me and I'm going to be faithful with what he's given me so I can pour it out into others. For Pete's sake, share your gifts. For Pete's sake, share your gifts. Be the kid who's sitting at the table and says, oh, I'll share. Be quick to be generous. Like little Isaiah, nine years old, be quick to be generous in the moment. Just say, you know what? I'll be generous. We've all met people who are generous with their time, their talents, their treasures, and their plans. And those are the people we want to be around. Let's be believers of Christ who are generous. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for every person here within the sound of my voice today in this place who's watching online, who will be watching later. God, I pray that today you would help us to think differently. Help us to think like you think, Jesus. In fact, right now, 
If you're in the house and you're watching here and you're saying, you know what, I, I, want, I want to think like Jesus. I want Jesus to help reframe and change some ways I'm thinking. Some of us, we're looking at things from a place of lack instead of looking at things from a place of abundance. God has everything we need and he is asking us to think differently, to think like he thinks, to see things from a place of abundance. But we need God to do some hardwire reset in our minds. And if you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I, I need Jesus to help me with the way I think. I need him to change the way I think towards my time, my talents, my treasures, my plans. I want to be a generous person. In fact, I believe that. I believe all of us here today, I believe you want to be generous. But there's some stinking thinking. There's some things that have happened in your life where you see things as I don't have enough. And God today, I believe, wants you to think differently. And he wants to do a miracle in you. I believe he wants to change the way you think. And if you're here today and you'd say, you know what? I want God to change the way I'm thinking. I just want you just to put your hand up just real quick. Just put your hand up in the air and just say, I want God to change the way I'm thinking. Come on, it's okay. You can just put that hand up. There's no shame in this moment. Just saying, God, I, I want you to change the way I'm thinking. Father, I pray for every hand that's being raised right now. I know that's just a simple step. But I believe this, God, that you want to change people's mindsets towards generosity. You want to change our mindset even just in the way and how we think of our time, our talents, our treasures, our plans. God, help us to think like you think. Help us to be generous. And so, Father, I pray for every hand that's raised. I pray that today would be a defining moment in their life where they would realize that they have access to more than enough resource and that they could say, you know what? Jesus, would you just flow through me like a conduit? Just flow through me like a conduit. Allow your presence to flow through me. Help me to be generous with my time, my talents, my treasures, and my plans. Help me to be quick to be generous. Help me to be someone who's not worried about what I got in my Dixie cup, quote unquote, but be willing to share it with others. God, I thank you that you are here in this house, that I believe you want to pour your spirit into each and every one of us. And God, even as we were praying earlier this morning, as a, as a team and leadership team, we were praying and we were gathered around. We were saying, God, we believe this, that today you want to set some people free from some addictions. And God, some of us are addicted to comfort. And I pray that today, God, that you would help us to live generous lives where we would say, you know what? I simply want you to flow through me. Help us to be generous with our time, our talents, our treasures, our gifts. God, I thank you for all that you're doing to this church. And I thank you that you've called us to that. And I pray that people will experience the goodness of who you are, that today they'll experience your presence, God. God, we have felt your presence already here in this gathering through our moments of worship, God, through moments of coming together and praying for needs. And God, here, even at the end of this gathering, there will be people who will come forward and they will be prayed for. And we're believing this, God, that you're gonna meet with people. And so God, I just pray for those right now who maybe are sick in body, maybe those who have a need in their life right now, I just pray, God, that you would be more than enough for them. And I pray that today, God, you would open up the storehouses of heaven upon their lives. God, that people would experience healings, that people would experience freedom from things that have been controlling them. God, that people today, God, would receive exactly what they need from you. And that we would be people who would live generous hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen and amen.